Uh, as Pete, uh, of course, said, last week we were celebrating Easter and the amazing weekend where we remember that Jesus Christ died for us, died for our sins, and was raised to life again. And how much that transformed the world, because it means that Jesus is going to be the one who redeems the whole world. That he's going to come back and raise us all to life with him. And it's kind of commonly known that the death and resurrection of Jesus has plenty of kind of future benefits for the church. It's something that gets talked about a lot in Christian circles, how the fact that Jesus died for us means we can be right with God. That means that our eternal future is secure. That's what a lot of people talk about. And it's absolutely true. The fact that Jesus died and took your sin, took our place, took our our shame and our death and died for us. That does mean that our eternity is safe with him. How good is that? And his resurrection does actually mean that there's a future for the people of God. That, uh, like 1 Corinthians 15 spells out, and I might get you to look at it in a little bit, um, that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just mean that Jesus got raised, so yay, it's all true. The resurrection of Jesus means that all of us are going to be invited into that resurrection life when he comes again. Isn't that great? The greater thing still is that there's so much more to the story than that. And that our hope is, yes, a future hope, but it's also a present hope. That the, resu- the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ have consequences in our day-to-day lives together. Isn't that great? And that's just what we're going to look at, and then we're going to spend some time praying. And I don't think you'll spend very long listening to me, though sometimes I promise that. And it's just a lie. (laughs) So we'll soon see. But you can be praying for succinctness and speed. Um, One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot this week is a scripture in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul is writing. He's writing from jail. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he loves these guys. He's writing to them. And he says, you know what I really want in my life? I want to know Christ. I mean, you could stop there. That would be fine. Like, that's plenty for a day's work. I want to know Christ. A great aim. And then he kind of expands what that means a little bit for him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Isn't that cool? Anyone want to know the power of Christ's resurrection? Want to experience that in your lives? And there's some really great passages. This is actually something that Paul thought about a lot. Um, A lot of you are thinking, you missed a bit. And I'll come back to it. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul thought about this a lot. He, th- he, was tr- he was looking at the church. And this is kind of dormant, no, not dormant, young church, baby church, growing up. And Paul was thinking, okay, so the amazing events that happened on Easter Friday, Saturday was a bit dry, Sunday. <laughs> what, how does that translate into the ongoing life of the church? How does that look? And so he wrote some incredible things about the power that we have today through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Actually, I was going to get you to do some group work. Hmm. Nah, um, I think that will just take take too long. It will take too long. Sorry. You just have to listen. Um, I'm going to give you a few examples. Um, Check this out. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, I always end up in Romans 8 somehow. (laughs) Romans 8 is just so good. Like Everything is there, really. Um, in Romans 8, Paul writes this to the church. He says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
So find the logic. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, just to clarify, is the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead living in you? Put your hands up if that's you. Excellent job. That's that's a good a good number of you. That's probably enough of you for the moment. Um, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How cool is that? That's not a future thing. That's not a one day that will happen thing. That is talking about our here and now body, our here and now experience, that the spirit who raised Christ from the dead wants to move through our bodies now and give us new life in his Holy Spirit. It's a day-to-day lived experience thing. Um, He says it a little differently in Ephesians um, chapter 1. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power. I can't even say the word, it's so good. For us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now that is massive. That is way above my level of lived experience. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead isn't something that I will someday have access to. It's something that God is pouring out into the lives of us now. It's something that he wants to see more active in us now. All those in favor? I. Yeah, very good. I didn't prep you very well on that one. Um, So it's a current reality. It's also something that if you're a believer, is already happening in your life, whether you like it or not. It says that it talks loads in the New Testament, and again, this is particularly Paul. He talks loads in the, in the New Testament, speaking to the church, that actually, even at, right at the beginning, when you give your life to Jesus, what happens in your life is like a death and a resurrection. It's like you dying to the old way of life and coming to new life in Jesus. So he talks about baptism in Romans chapter 6, and he says, you know, when, when you, when, like, the picture of baptism is that you get dunked into the water like this, and hopefully not too long later, you get raised up out of the water. Um, and Paul says it's like the image of being buried, dying, and then being raised up to new life. Paul says that is like Christ. You're kind of being joined in to the Easter weekend, even in that moment, so that the life of Jesus is working through you. And what that should mean is that for all Christians, for all of us today, we should see something of the dynamic power of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. We should see new desires and new life floating up in us, like happening. We should see that when people meet us, they meet something of Jesus' risen life. They should see something of an authority, something of a power, something of an influence, something of his contagious life that just brings other people to life. Now, Now, that's really, really good. (laughs) that's really, really good. But one thing that frustrates me more than anything else, (laughs) I think probably in my life, the thing that frustrates me more than anything else at the moment, is when I look at the church, 
not just in general, but when I look at the church and I think, how different are we really? Does anyone else ever do this? How different are we really? Like, you know, you look at any normal group of people and they'll have falling out and they'll have pain in their lives and they'll uh, want to see things happen and it won't happen and they'll have uh, real personal issues with each other and there'll be conflict and they'll be struggling and there'll be people hurting other people and and then you come to the church and what I want to see when I come to the church, (laughs) what I want to see when I come to the church is a completely different picture is a picture of, of, of the life, the resurrection power of Jesus just at work all the time. That's what I want to see when I come to the church. But what do you see on the news when it comes to the church? We see all the same stuff. Does this frustrate anyone else? It drives me absolutely crazy that in the body of people who are supposed to represent the resurrection power of Jesus, and sometimes we do, so in fact often we really, really do, But you see all the same stuff. We have people hurting each other and doing damage long term to each other. Conflict and pain and struggle and things we hope for that don't happen. And sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you say this stuff. You say you've got the resurrection power of Jesus. Where is it? This new life. Some of the time, where is it? Now, I'm not trying to impart lack of faith, by the way. That's just not what I'm trying to do. But is this, this connecting with people? Do you f- ever feel this? Am I the only one? I'm not the only one, am I? Oh, thank goodness. For a moment, I was worried that you were going to stone me. Whew. <laughs> That's proving my point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been really, really helpful, actually. <laughs> um, maybe next time you can stone me. Oh, man. Drives me crazy. Paul was not unfamiliar with that when he wrote this stuff about the church. He was not naive when he wrote to imperfect churches and said the power of Jesus Christ is at work among you. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is is making new life among you. But he was really aware when he looked at the church that it's not just the resurrection on Easter Sunday that gets ongoingly represented in the church, is it? He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I really want to see that more at work. Really want to see that more at work in the church. But then he said something really bizarre, and I wish he didn't. (laughs) I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with him in his sufferings Becoming like him in his death. So that maybe I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now here's the, here's the deal. <laughs> there are certain hazards involved in following <laughs> a king who got murdered. <laughs> and a king whose path to glory led him through rejection and pain, and persecution, and death. (laughs) And that is that the Easter weekend as a whole has ongoing implications for our whole lives. That we aren't just resurrected people. We are crucified resurrected people. We aren't just resurrection people. 
We are crucifixion, resurrection people. Now, some churches talk a lot about the resurrection, talk a lot about the new life in Christ. I'm so in favor of that. We absolutely need more of that. We need to talk about how when we come to faith in God, when when we receive the Holy Spirit of God, there is so much more, there is so much more for our lives than we ever really grasp or can imagine. There is so much more power coursing through your veins than you know how to deal with. So much more authority in the words that you speak to bring life and wholeness to people. That's absolutely true. But it's not the whole picture, is it? Any one of us can look at our life with Jesus and see that that is not the whole picture. And do you know what? It's not supposed to be the whole picture. Because we follow a crucified, resurrected saviour. And Paul looked at it this way. He said some really bizarre stuff looking at his own life. Oh, man. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. Why are things hard sometimes? Why are things difficult in the church sometimes? So that people don't look at us and think, oh wow, it's because they're great people. It's because they've got it all together that, that things are going well for them. Why is it sometimes hard? So that people look at the Father. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to this. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus. Well, yeah, right? (laughs) And yet we had mainly silence. (laughs) We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus. Now think of what it cost Paul to say that. He was not being glib when he said that. Paul's experience of the Christian faith was massive victory and massive pain. Massive amounts of people coming to faith in Jesus. Massive amounts of miracles. Massive amounts of the power of God poured out and the life of God making lives new. And massive amounts of rejection and persecution and being stoned and being whipped and being shipwrecked. And worst of all, going without food. And Paul's experience was, I carry in my body both of these things. I carry in my body, as the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our body. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life might be revealed in our mortal body. How interesting is that? Paul's saying this, I'm carrying the crucifixion of Jesus to put on display to you what dying to the old and rising to new looks like in your life. To plot on display to you what weakness and God's resurrection looks up looks like. To put on display to you what pain followed by redemption looks like. And we are called to be a church of both things. Oh. He says a little bit later, to be sure, Jesus was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, We are weak in him. Anyone else ever feel like that? We are weak in him. Yet, by God's power, we will live with him. This is our journey. You remember in the Spider-Man story, um, Peter Parker's wandering around, and he's a bit of a, you know, he's he's an ordinary 
uh, guy. In the films, he's he's a really good-looking guy hidden by a pair of douchey glasses, um, which is I, so I kind of feel yeah <laughs> a certain affinity with him. Um, and then he gets bitten by this spider, doesn't he? He gets bitten by this incredible spider, which I think has superpowers in itself, and no one really ever explains that, but that's fine. Um, and the, what happens is his whole DNA gets kind of edited by that spider that's kind of gotten into him. And so he actually starts to take on characteristics of the spider and certain strengths and certain annoyances and certain weaknesses and certain uh, excellences from the spider. And he kind of becomes like it. I think that's kind of what Paul has in mind when he thinks about the Easter weekend. He's like, when you come to faith, you get kind of bitten by this Easter thing, this, this crucifixion, this pain, this agony. And this resurrection, this new hope, this new life. And it kind of becomes a part of who you are. So that when you look at any Christian life, you will see present in this kind of weird way, at the same time, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now, I know that we could all look at our own lives and see both of those things. I know that you could look at your life, look at your walk with God, look back and see certain real victories. And think of things where you've seen amazing answers to prayer. Times where you've seen God move in power, where you felt like his voice spoke to you. Times of real newness of life and when you started to win at sin. Not winning at sin, winning at not doing sin. That's what I mean. Winning at sin is bad and you should talk to me afterwards. Um... Unless it's gambling, in which case, come and talk to me afterwards as well. Um, no, I'm kidding. That was a terrible joke. Sorry. I repent. Less, Lord. Um, Luke, help. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and then there are other times, aren't there, where we look at our lives and we think, oh, I prayed for that person for ages. Where's the healing? I prayed for new life in that area for ages. Where's the victory? I prayed for a job for ages. Where's the job? Where's the provision? And it feels more like a crucifixion than a resurrection. Do you know what this story does to your story, if that's more you? It says that what you're involved with isn't just a religion that's not working. (laughs) You're at the crucifixion. You're experiencing some of the pain. And what we learn from the story of Jesus is that when you're brought into that story, the crucifixion isn't the end. (laughs) Yeah. Resurrection's coming. And in our lives, there will always be both. But it's okay because the full resurrection is coming. There is a future tense. That will make this glorious. I was really struck. um, (laughs) Just this week, thinking about some of the things that have felt more like a crucifixion in the last little while. More like the the presence of the crucifixion in our lives. I was thinking, um, remember last Sunday, uh, all around the world, we were celebrating the good news that Jesus is alive. And then in Lahore in Pakistan... 70 Christian people gathering to celebrate are blown up. And in the same moment, 
you've got this bizarre picture of exactly what following Jesus looks like. It looks like a death and it looks like a resurrection. I think that these two concepts actually come together most clearly in a funeral. Have you ever been to, most of us will have been to a funeral, um, particularly funerals of Christians. And you've got this, this mixture of emotions as you are on the one hand delighted that the resurrection is a present reality for them. That they are with Christ and enjoying his presence. But there's also this pain. There's also this gap. Listen, the resurrection and the crucifixion means that's not a mistake. I mean, it's not God's will either, I don't think. But it's not a mistake. You're part of this story of crucifixion and resurrection. And for Jesus, he's done the journey before us and it ends in glory. It ends in healing. It ends in wholeness and it ends in life. In a, in a few moments, okay, no, just one other thing. This is actually really important <laughs> for our mission as well. For people to see a resurrected Jesus, they need to see a church that lives in newness of life. That lives in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. For people to see the reality of Jesus' resurrection, they need to see us living the resurrection. Cool? For people to see the reality of the crucifixion, they need to see a church that is willing to lay its life down. That knows what it is to meet death and experience real pain and have the courage to walk through it. Now that's not easy, but it is, I think, biblical. Paul says, um, like, well, it's just what he just said, isn't it? I carry around the death of Jesus so that you can see his life. He said it in Colossians 1.24 as well. He said, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking with Christ's afflictions. His point there was, my suffering shows you Jesus. My pain shows you Jesus. And my pain shows you Jesus' death. And my victory shows you Jesus' life. And you need to see both. And where the world looks at the church, it needs to see both. It needs to see not a veneer and not what we just try and put in the press. Not just the cross, not just the resurrection, but a crucified, resurrected church that lives for a crucified, resurrected Messiah. Amen? Are we making sense today? That's much better than I was hoping for. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Wow. What I really want this to be, and where I want us to kind of close in on now is I want for some of us you're like okay okay I'm seeing the pain and I need some new hope I need some new hope and the crucifixion is a heavy heavy thing and it's not a nice thing to carry around with you some of us actually you come people we were praying about this a little bit earlier I'd like to do it again in just a little bit uh, actually if you feel like your story is more marked by the crucifixion then I want you to um, to get prayer in a little bit. Um, James spoke a couple of week, weeks ago on how God loves to change our stories. Well, not, I think maybe change is the wrong word, but, um, but he crashes into our story. He collides with our story, and our story is never so, the same again. And Jesus brings new life out of the dead places in our lives to such a point that the devil is sorry he messed with you in the first place. 
like, like the death of Lazarus. You remember the death of Lazarus? The story of Lazarus? And Jesus hears that his friend is ill, but he delays a couple of days and doesn't go and heal his friend. Gutted. <laughs> and he shows up and the friend has been dead. Lazarus has been dead for a few days. And um, Martha says, oh, Jesus, is it Martha? If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. I always get confused. Um, and Jesus says, um, oh, I can't remember how it goes. Lazarus will rise again. And she says to him, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection. She has a sense of the future hope, but not of the present reality of what Jesus wants to do in her life right now. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection in the life. I've come to bring new life into your life. And you know what? I think after Lazarus is raised, the devil was really, really, really regretful that he made a meal in the first place. Because all of a sudden now we've got a guy walking around saying, I was raised from the dead rather than just a guy walking around saying, I'm still alive. I don't know about you, but not many people become a Christian because I walk up to them in the street and like, hey, I'm alive today, and I was yesterday. But with Lazarus, I reckon probably a few people were interested in Jesus afterwards. And it <laughs> Jesus brought such resurrection, such joy into his situation of pain. We're going to pray for those of you who feel like that. There's a whole other group that I just feel like, you, actually, you just, you're just ready for more of the resurrection power. You just want more life, more of his power, more of his authority. I've um, tasted kind of of it in my own life. And I, I look at my life and I see some real victory and some real times of, yeah, come on, I was getting it then, I was getting it. Um, but those of you who want more, put your hands up. Just more of his Holy Spirit. I just want to know the power of the resurrection. But listen, <laughs> the thing with resurrection is it is really hard to get raised from the dead if you haven't died. <laughs> so the path to a resurrection story might hurt. <laughs> Peter writes to the church. He says, thanks be to God. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead.